there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Thank goodness the doctor is in here before Halloween. He's not spooky. He's Dr. Batar. He only scares people who don't like health freedom. <laughs> some, some people accuse me of being scary, Robert. So. Yeah, well, you're big and intimidating. I, I think the only thing is when I see you and Ty look at each other, you guys are in a stare-down competition. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Ty just looks like a big, cuddly teddy bear to me. Yeah, but, you know, he's so funny because when he goes out of town, he'll take pictures for the family that will appear on Facebook, and he's always doing one pose where he's showing his big guns. Yeah, I've seen him do that, too. It's the bodybuilder in him, but we love him. We love him. So, anyway, uh, being that the doctor is in here, and, of course, it is Advanced Medicine Monday, I thought we'd go right to the uh, questions from listeners, and we have a good one relating to, I believe, endometriosis. A lot of females dealing with these problems. I've, I've had to address it homeopathically for many years, and I thought, you know, this would be a good one to ask you. This uh, comes from uh, Brandon. He says he's done a lot of research on endometriosis because someone my mom knows <laughs> has a surgery scheduled for it in a about five days uh they say laser surgery but you know first and foremost before we dive headlong into that isn't it funny how often we'll get questions like my friend's friend my friend's mom is suffering from this and it's sort of like where where's the mom or the actual person writing us and asking this question yeah this is a point that has often been brought up to me where or become evident to me i should say but patients will tell me about their neighbor their you know best friend or even worse, their neighbor's best friend or something, you know, really distant, and they're trying to convince this person to come and see us mm-hmm. in the clinic. And I have to tell people that, listen, I appreciate your effort. I appreciate your desire to want to enlighten this individual. But remember that, one, I'm not vested with that individual. I don't know who that individual is. Two, I'm vested with you. You're my patient. And three, by you getting stressed out because this other person isn't seeing the light, is not being conducive to you or to me because it's making my job harder because now I've got to deal with the adrenal issue that you're creating for yourself, you know, considering <laughs> yes. the fact that you're already sick. And In fact, this is the entire motivation behind writing that book. I mean, the first mm-hmm. time somebody asked me about if I'd write a book, which you know was a decade before I actually wrote that book, but I got more and more frustrated with people. And these are people that have already achieved their own health goals, Robert. Right. So they've gotten better, and now they're, you know, like you said, uh, off the air religious it's almost like a religiosity you know they've, they've, they've formed a new religion well yeah yeah it's like a recent religious conversion you get very passionate about it and now you you want to be very vocal about it and tell everybody what you know and it isn't because necessarily you're you're, you're trying to invade the space of other people I mean, you really want to help no, you people just want to share that's yeah. right you just want to share because you've seen something that actually works you've seen the truth i've often said to doctors that come to the training program once you've seen the light you cannot go back into the darkness and so these people want to share the light with other people Exactly. So it's not like we're knocking those folks, but I do find it funny that I'll, I'll get that once they like hear us on the show or hear something new, and maybe they'll try it and find it works too. It'll even strengthen them more, which is great. But then suddenly they want to make everybody should see this, and, and it's like I know when I first learned of these some of these things like homeopathy, I was very excited about it, and I would tell people. And more often than not, my friends would say, yeah, whatever, or even worse, they'd say, you know, get out of my face. I don't want to hear this. I don't need this. And suddenly you're going, why are these people rejecting it? It's like the, the greatest thing ever. 
Right, and I think this is a point that the reason we're discussing this for the listeners is that the learning issue here is that you should not become stressed out. Mm -hmm. You should not become enamored to that point that it's going to affect your own health, where you are being bothered because X, Y, and Z individual is not doing what you would do because you are enlightened, because you have become aware, because you've become empowered with knowledge. Don't let that other individual's decision to go whichever way that they want to go mm-hmm. impact your own health. And that's where you really, really have to be careful because there are so many people that have really allowed their own health to deteriorate. And it's not usually because of a neighbor or the neighbor's friend or whatever. It's usually because it's your spouse or it's your father or mother or it's one of your siblings and they may not see the light or maybe they don't understand and to share information is one thing but to allow it to because of their lack of understanding uh, allowing that to bring your own health down increasing your own adrenal uh, stress and increasing your cortisol output and increasing the peripheral vascular resistance that your heart has to overcome etc etc it's not worth it and in fact that's one of the things you got to remember that you cannot be a preacher in your own house by definition you can never preach in your own house buddha's quote that i actually have in my book one of my favorite quotes is that we should take every opportunity we can to preach and never open our mouths Mm -hmm. so live the right life and then if you want to give somebody a resource then give them something that the reason I wrote the book, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should give my book, although that's a perfect plug. I'm for saying the book. it. I'm saying give Dr. Batar's book the nine steps to keep the doctor away. And Brandon, that's for you too. For the woman that you're worried about here, you know, you say you have someone, my mom knows. Well, give this to your mom. If your mom wants to pass it on to them, then they'll read about it. But, I, I, you know, how are you going to tell somebody not to go into surgery? I mean, even if it's the right thing to say. You know, because they're a friend of a friend of a friend. I mean, it's a nice sentiment, but it really can confuse folks, and you just want them to be where they need to be. Right, and over here she even says, you know, to treat the pain, several herbs are said to be effective, which most sites don't really name, and then she goes into listing a couple of these different components. But this is a friend of somebody that your mom knows, and, you know, exactly. How are you going to convince them about surgery? How are you going to convince them to take a bunch of herbs? How are you going to convince them? In fact, you absolutely should not be trying to convince anybody because then you are going to end up, if the person has a negative outcome, you're going to be the person who's blamed for it if you were the one who was encouraging them to do something else. Sure. You take on a burden you didn't really need even though uh, you felt like you were helping. And I always joke about this. Super Don likes it when I do that. It's like you're you're taking the little old lady across the street. She's beating you with her umbrella the whole time because you're not listening to say, hey, she doesn't want to go to the other side of the street. Right. Exactly. That's a great, great point. Even though this is not the question mm-hmm. of the email that was sent to us, that's not the question that they were asking. They were asking us about how to deal with endometriosis. I think that, Robert, we can probably say this very simply. It comes down to detoxification and then secondarily, usually people that end up having an issue such as endometriosis or dysfunctional bleeding or erratic cycles. Um, th- this is a much greater problem than what it appears on the surface and to try to take care of the symptom of the erratic cycle or mm-hmm. the bleeding or the endometriosis, the pain, etc., is not the smart way of dealing with this. This is actually an indication of a significant hormonal imbalance. Yes. And there's a luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, estrogen, and progesterone, the four major female hormones, and they are basically really out of whack when you start seeing these issues. Sure. And we have treated effectively endometriosis in at least a dozen and a half patients that come to mind immediately, mm-hmm. um, mostly 
with just exactly that philosophy that I just said. We detoxified them. We ended up helping them to regain their hormonal balance, but that hormonal balance is first achieved by dealing with the gut and their liver. Once you get the gut and the liver straight, then they can actually help to start converting their own hormones the correct way, meaning that the precursor of all hormones is cholesterol, and it ends up going through these intermediaries, thousands and thousands and thousands upon thousands of intermediaries before it finally ends up to the progesterone or the estrogen. People tend to forget that, and it's those intermediaries and their negative inhibitory feedback loop. In fact, Chapter 11 in my book talks specifically about the negative inhibitory feedback loop dealing with these hormonal cycles. Um, They become impeded, and we want to open those pathways up. And we use basically progesterone as, as a bouncing agent, not the oral progesterone and not the progestin, the synthetics, but the naturally occurring progesterone, which is a precursor of testosterone and estrogen, Mm -hmm. and giving the body what it needs to be able to convert those hormones into the right intermediaries, etc., and go down the whole cascade, which is very uh, mineral-dependent for the various enzymatic cofactors and metabolic pathways that are necessary for these intermediaries to be translate into the next phase and then eventually into the end hormone that the body needs so again it's it's not a it's not as simple of an issue but certainly the principles are the same detoxification well assimilation digestive function the things you mentioned it's like i was going to say does anybody out there that listens to the medical rewind each week uh, recognize this pattern you know no matter what disease female male specific doesn't matter the baseline is the terrain, the environment, the milieu. We've got to correct it, all of those functions. Otherwise, we're chasing symptoms. And even with the surgeons of the female realm, all they do is deal with end-stage symptoms. And in this case, you know, Brandon's worried about this uh, you know, mom's friend who happens to be evidently in her I- mid or late 30s. I mean, th- th- she's, she's now poised to go into surgery. She doesn't want her uterus removed. And I was like, well, then don't go to a surgeon because that's what they do. They remove right. your body parts. You know, occasionally they'll say, well, just get that little you know, tissue that's abnormal. But more often than not, once they're in there, they say, oh, sorry, we got your uh, ovaries uh, too. You know, we slipped and we got your ovaries too. I was like, wait a second. This is not, uh, let's say, health restoring. This is butchery at last stages. And correction does not mean going into the surgeon. It's not like you're going in to fix a broken bone. This is a whole right. lot different. Yeah, this is a good point because surgery, most surgeries are very simplistic in that something is being removed. It is not going in there to fix something. Like a trauma surgeon goes in there and fix a ruptured right. organ or, you know, repairs a broken blood vessel or something like that. But when you go in for these type of surgeries, they are going in with one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to remove an organ or a certain component of the body. So you have to be aware of that component right there and then by the mere fact you're going to remove something remember your body needed it for some reason that's the reason the ultimate engineer put it there in the first place that is a good point to remember but the recurring pattern robert that you mentioned it's actually well established in the three foundations of health in my book that we start everything from which is the premise of every uh, approach that we take with any of our patients in that well, first one hold on is we're, we're going to give those three when we come back from this break especially for our new listeners give them time to write it down get a pencil and paper ready because we got those three foundations coming up plus religious freedom we talked about freedom all the time here in fact but uh, there's some things about attacks on your freedom of religion as it comes to your health stand by robert scott bell dr rasha Batar, back after this the robert scott 
Hello, this is Jonathan Wagner. We have an internet website, www.choosetobehealthy.com, that carries many of the products discussed on Robert's show, including the 100% whole food chromium and selenium, silica, as well as sovereign silver and Nordic naturals. Choosetobehealthy.com features the Rolls-Royce of probiotics. It's Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. Dr. O'Hara, a world-renowned microbiologist, formulated a unique probiotic that blends ancient Japanese fermentation methods with 21st century technology. No refrigeration is needed. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics contains the strongest lactic acid bacteria known to man based on scientific laboratory research. 6.25 times stronger. Quite simply, it works and works very well. So go to our website, www.choosetobehealthy.com, or call us toll-free, 866-424-1077. That's 866-424-1077. We're here to help. of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Advanced Medicine Monday continues here. Dr. Rasha Bittar, author of the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And he was just referring to three foundations before we had to take a break here that kind of are, uh, you know, a platform that you want to start at before you leap into the healing abyss, which we try to fill in that abyss for you here each week. And so uh, starting back for especially our new listeners, Dr. Batar, going through those three foundations. Well, the three foundations, Robert, which is the three foundations of health, which is really the foundation upon which the nine steps to keep the doctor away is built. Those three foundations are, first and foremost, systemic detoxification. The second step is immune modulation, and I'll talk about that in a second. And then the third step, or the third foundation, is the physiological optimization. So in this particular case, that systemic detoxification, that first foundation, is crucial and is intuitively obvious why it's crucial, as is the third one, which is the physiological optimization. That's why we were talking about the minerals that are important, necessary for the intermediaries to be able to convert it to the next step so that the ultimate hormone that's needed by the body is finally created. But that second foundation, the immune modulation may not be as intuitive how it would be applicable to endometriosis. And so let me just spend a few seconds, Robert, to talk about that portion because even though it's not necessarily an infectious process, it is an inflammatory cascade. Endometriosis is an inflammatory process. And so there is an immune response. The body is going into a hyper uh, attenuated type of uh, response where it's having to compensate this. It's being stretched in both different directions and so the body is thrown off balance and so the response is this inflammatory cascade that can cause damage to other organs and then in a way endometriosis actually grows it's kind of like a a weed if you will and it's not really a weed it's not a component it's actually your own cells that are inflamed and the change the inflammatory cascade that's been initiated that change continues to spread and in some scenarios it would be kind of like a cancer where it's kind of spreading, but it's not spreading. It's not the same as cancer where it's uh, metastatic or anything like that. So don't get that. Don't, you know, I don't want anybody to get mis to misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. Sure. But the, the basic foundations that systemic detoxification, you have to clean up the system to allow the system to work. The second one, the immune modulation, you have to help the immune system to 
relax in this particular case because it's a hyperimmune response that's causing that inflammatory cascade. And then the third one is that physiological optimization. Give it whatever it needs in order for the system to become balanced, which is the minerals and, and there's a, the progesterone is a very, very important part because it helps to reestablish the entire uh, normal endometrial lining. For example, a person that's having too many cycles or having too many, uh, the, the, the bleeding, the hemorrhaging is too frequent, it's not balanced, they basically need a chemical DNC. DNC is uh, dilatation curatage, which is a surgical procedure. They go in, they scrape the uh, lining of the endometrium, and the, pro- the thought process is to stimulate new growth. Well, here you can do that actually chemically by giving the body progesterone, because progesterone, when you increase the progesterone to a certain level, the, there's, a, there's a whole cascade that occurs in the body when the hormone levels change, and the body sees that as the ending of a cycle, and as the progesterone levels go up and then are pulled off, it causes a chemical DNC where the endometrial lining gets sloughed off, and then that's where the menstrual cycle starts, and there's bleeding, and this tissue, old tissue is removed, the new lining comes in, and then the next 28 to 30 day cycle begins. Well, you can actually do that by taking more progesterone at a certain point. Again, this is not something you can just do on your own. This is something that you need a experienced clinician that can help you go through this process and then use the progesterone to cause this uh, essentially a dilatation and curatage, and then you get the new lining in. This is a way of stimulating the new lining to grow, Robert. That's basically what it comes down to. Indeed, and, and I actually had talked to a woman recently who had contacted me for help who was postmenopausal uh, at least nine months out of uh, you know the cessation of the cycles, and she had started with a breakthrough bleeding and was, had been bleeding straight uh, for about two weeks. And so there are a lot of things related to general terrain, toxicity, immune modulation, inflammation, tissue, all of these things that you said are right there in concert. And, of course, it's not enough to just go in and start, you know, uh, uh, taking tissue out at that point. You've got to really realize uh, what is going on. So this is indeed uh, why I want people to read the nine steps to keep you, I'm uh, sorry, to keep the doctor away, <laughs> to keep you healthy, I wanted to say here. Anyway, we got to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Advanced Medicine Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We do have some questions coming in. Uh, I want to give you an update on autism one next year because Dr. Batar and I have been invited, and uh, I'm really thrilled uh, Dr. Batar is going to be giving a keynote there as well. We'll talk a little bit about that, as well as your religious freedom to heal as you see fit. And, of course, the statement from some doctors to say that you can still die of the flu even if you have a good immune system. Bizarre stuff going on. We're going to cover it. Stand by. Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know, we often talk a lot of uh, spiritual healing here on the Robert Scott Bell Show in a, in a non-denominational way because, uh, you know, we believe uh, from that standpoint that this is creation. We're all a part of it. And however you describe it may be different from one another, but these same basic laws or principles apply. And if you're a healer, you don't limit yourself to healing only those who have the same identical belief as you or you wouldn't go into healing. At least that's my opinion, Dr. Batar. I mean, that's kind of a starting point anyway. Robert, I totally agree. In fact, I think that we've discussed this previously on shows where we've talked about what it actually means to heal a person or what it actually means to be a physician. And the word means, I think in Greek, isn't it, that it means to teach? 
Yeah, a teacher uh, is the big uh, kind of root of this concept of physician and doctor. It's a teacher more than anything else. Exactly. And to teach, you have, when you teach somebody, and especially when it comes to a person's health, there's so many components that affect a person's health that you have to deal with the spiritual and the emotional and the psychological. And, in fact, on the toxicity spectrum in my seven toxicity philosophy, the fifth toxicity is emotional psychological and the seventh toxicity is spiritual so two out of the seven toxicities are actually to do with how a person thinks or feels mm-hmm. and so you cannot actually be an effective healer if you are not addressing the emotional psychological spiritual component but it, but isn't it true in allopathic western medicine they kind of give that short shrift if they give it any shrift at all you know because it's only about the machine it's physiology even though there's so much knowledge even in the scientific realm to say there's more to life than just molecules or or, you know just like we're just a bunch of chemical stuff thrown together randomly strewn about and who knew how because we could have been monkeys on a typewriter that created us you know robert this is one of the greatest frustrations for me in medicine and this is one reason that i don't even like to admit that i'm a doctor in public because (laughs) of the inadequacy of the medical profession to deal with this very very crucial component in fact you and i've talked on the air off the air you've heard this at the advanced medicine seminars i have said it oh if i've said it once i've said it a million times that you cannot in my opinion in based upon my 22 years of being a physician now and having seen and treated cancer patients for even beyond that even when i was in medical school and as a as a intern resident and then before that as a medical student doing my clinical rotations having seen patients with cancer i can tell you that unless you deal with the emotional psychological spiritual issue underlying that pathology you will never ever conclusively effectively deal with that patient and their and their disease process cancer is an emotional issue mm-hmm. and I have never yet seen a cancer patient that did not have some deep-seated trauma, even though, unbeknownst to me, for a year, two years treating the patient, I had no idea that they had this deep-seated trauma, but there is something that has to have happened in their life that created this issue. One of the first things I tell all my cancer patients is that you no longer have a luxury of having any anger or bitterness against any other person, living or non-living, anymore. You can't, you can't harbor that negative ill will towards anybody now you have to systemically forgive every single person dead or alive it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if the person died 20 years ago you have to not forgive them for whatever wrong you have felt that that person's done to you this is completely an emotional psychological spiritual issue and modern medicine never even gives it even one percent of attention and yet it's the vast uh, ideological component of cancer in my opinion, that's where it all starts from. So, you, so you're even, saying that, that, that none of your years of residency, learning to be a doctor before you get your you know, license to go out and do your thing, is involving this kind of concept of emotion sources to physiological diseases? Nothing unless you do a one-month elective rotation in psychiatry, and even then they talk about the drugs to give people for depression, right? and they don't talk about how to deal with this type of issue. They don't talk about you know the emotional component, how it's affecting the body and then manifesting itself into chronic disease. Nobody talks about that. Hmm. And this is the greatest, greatest reason that modern medicine has fallen deep into this pit and is continuing to go down because nobody has, has tried to even understand, or very few people, I should say, have tried to understand. There, there are doctors that have addressed this, like Hammer. You and I have talked about Hammer, who was an oncologist who right. lost his own son. And then his wife and 
realize that the emotional turmoil of having to deal with the significant loss as, as a loss of your own child or a loss of your wife is actually what contributes a lot of this process to cancer. He lost his son, his wife got cancer, uh, from what I remember, right, if I remember correctly, then she died, and then he developed cancer after dealing with the turmoil of his son and his wife dying, and his book, or his books, his works, have been followed now by thousands upon thousands of people, and there's tens of thousands of cases where they have documented remissions of people with full-stage disease, and from what I understand, he's wanted for murder in three or four different countries now because apparently from these tens and tens of thousands of cases with documented remission, like 60 or 70 patients actually died. And so they're saying that it's because of him that they died because of the information that he wrote in this book. So they want him for murder in a couple of countries. Forget about all the tens of thousands of documented cases of people going into remission, though. Nobody gives him credit for that. Well, and of course, where are all the folks that die of uh, traditional oncological treatments, chemo, radiation, surgery, and where is the persecution of those doctors? It doesn't exist because it's a religion. It's not a science anymore. Case in point, the bizarre statements coming out of modern medicine. I mean, you said something so profound, and I know we've covered it before. I just want to reiterate this concept of systemic forgiveness. Somebody might say it's that's radical. Well, call it that. Call it systemic radical forgiveness instead of radical surgery that can kill you. This can heal you. Systemic forgiveness. I love that. For people living or dead, doesn't matter. Forgive them, and then you can move on to your healing and allow that to happen. And, of course, when you get modern medicine saying, well, look, uh, you can be perfectly healthy and your immune system is intact, you can still get cancer. Or, You can die of the flu even if you're perfectly healthy. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that parades as science in modern medicine. And and people are actually spending money. And, you know, this kind of brings up the pink ribbon concept we've talked about before or the various nonprofit organizations that are the most profitable organizations anywhere. The American Cancer Society, the National Cancer Institute, nonprofit organizations... Yet they're posting $850, $875 million in profits after paying out for all the research and all the other nonsense that they're doing. The most important thing being environmental issues and nutritional issues, and they may get, if anything, 0.1% of that money. But nobody else uh, wants to even give it any attention. Everybody's right. talking about a new drug, new chemo, new radiation, low-dose, high-dose, concomitant, you know, and whatever they're doing. It's all nonsense. Yeah, well, it is. And you got this healthfinder.gov story today because the flu can kill even healthy children, study finds. So that, you know, even if you think I'm making it up, no, it's right there at healthfinder.duh. Unvaccinated kids are at greater risk. And, and this kind of belies all of the things we've covered, including the Cochrane Collaboration acknowledgement that there's no reduction in mortality, much less actual uh, manifestations of flu, and all of the side effects, if you can call them that, or adverse events that are listed as potential of flu vaccination are identical to flu or worse than, if you want to say, well, it's not really the flu, well, it mimics it and you die. What the hell does it matter? But the point right. is here they're trying to sell these parents on giving their healthy children in vaccinations, which will make them less healthy. And they're trying to do that by making parents feel guilty. And then there were a couple of other stories that you posted too, Robert, where mm-hmm. they've got medical groups or groups of doctors now that are talking about the importance of overriding religious beliefs so that children can, so, under the pretense of uh, protection, so that children can be protected. And I'm talking specifically of the study that came out in Fox News about pediatricians and child abuse agencies should step in when parents' religious beliefs keep kids from getting necessary medical care, doctors said Monday. Now, to me, this is unbelievable. They don't talk about 
the fact that all the studies that have been done to show how vaccinations don't work, and, and the, the one that we covered about a month ago, Robert, that showed that, in fact, uh, taking a flu vaccine had shown no conclusive improvement in the person's ability to prevent getting flu. And then, in fact, the other study that we talked about where they said that they don't even know whether people who had the flu actually even had the flu. It wasn't even sure whether they had the flu because any kind of common cold or any type of upper respiratory type infection during the winter months or during the fall season yes. or early spring season is attributed to the flu. So these are things that they don't talk about, and yet they're, t- they're saying that, oh, we need to stop parents from using the religious belief and keep kids from getting, and this is, this is the part that I love the most, necessary medical care. What is so necessary about sticking a vaccine in a child that is laced with all sorts of poisons? What is necessary about that? Yeah, well, that's the question. Nece- necessity, interestingly enough, and this goes for politics as well. Uh, basically, it, it, it trumps what we call any rule of law. You know, in other words, if we say it's necessary, then we have the obligation to violate your rights because, hey, it's necessary. So it knows no law when you have what they call rule of necessity. And that's the way they trump your freedoms to say, well, listen, if you don't, you're going to die. Everybody's going to die, even if it's not a validated scientific statement and it's more religious in, in, in nature. And, of course, that's what we're seeing here with these claims of, come on, what universe do these doctors live in to say that you can have a perfectly healthy immune system and have cancer? Yeah, and I've had patients tell me that they've talked to their oncologist. This this has not been recently because there's more and more talk now about stimulating the immune system in the current last three or four years cancer research. But uh, five, six, seven years ago, Robert, I had this happen a number of times where the patients told me that after talking to their oncologist about the technique that we'd be using stimulating the immune system, the response from the oncologist was, what's that got to do with your cancer? Right. Isn't that amazing? But that's, that's, they live in this alternate universe from the rest of life itself, and yet they've been elevated to the demigod status, which, again, I come back to why you wrote the book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, because these are the doctors that are the most dangerous people of, of almost any profession, because it's not like they're coming out with, uh, you don't have the idea that they're intending to hurt you, and I'm not even saying that they are intending to do that, but the reality is they have tools, and they've been granted this license to do things that anybody else would be brought up on criminal charges. Exactly. This component, this very study, the one that was in Fox News, pediatricians and child abuse agencies should step in when parents' religious beliefs keep kids from getting necessary medical care, doctors say. This is completely violating the freedom of religion, Mm -hmm. freedom of choice. I mean, everything the Constitution is based on. Who is going to look out for your best investment, your stockbroker or you? Obviously you. Who's going to look out the, for your best interest when it comes to your children? You or the government? It's the freaking government that allowed the autism epidemic to start in the first place. So now you're going to give them more um, leeway, exactly. give them more of a leash and say, okay, yeah, you know what? You've done enough to increase the cancer epidemic, the cardiovascular disease epidemic where patients are now having myocardial infarctions at the age of 28 and 30 which has never been seen before but again 10 years back i said that because of this well because of this it's it's break time hold on dr batar you're on a roll we're gonna we got to take a break here we're gonna find out what he said 10 years ago and we'll go more into the autism epidemic as well stand by back after this the robert scott bell Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. 
All right, cliffhanger alert. We went right to the edge of the break there, and I had to uh, cut in. Sorry about that, Dr. Bittar. Uh, but you were you were on a roll. I'm telling you, I love it when the passion comes through, when you start going, the freaking doctors, give them more power. What are you, nuts? It's so accurate, so well said. And now, what did you predict 10 years ago? Well, actually, I was thinking about it during the break, Robert. It's actually more like 14 years ago at a conference where there was some discussion regarding the incidence of spirochete infections, Lyme's disease, in children with autism, I made a comment that actually Garth Nicholson was the, who used to be the head of the MD Anderson's uh, laboratory section and had just done a study, and the study had talked about the incidence of mycoplasma seen in autistic patients, or was getting ready to do a study, I should say, about that. And I was asked if we tested for these various types of infectious processes in our autistic patients. And I commented that why would I spend the money that's necessary to do this testing on these children when they're going to be filled with, they're going to be accessible uh, uh, with all these different types of infections because their immune systems have been compromised. Again, in the seven toxicity philosophy, this would be the third toxicity, the opportunistics. Their immune systems have already been suppressed because of the heavy metals and the persistent organic pollutants, so their systems become susceptible to these opportunistic components, the opportunistic components between fungi, yeast, bacteria, spirochetes, mycoplasma, etc., Well, Garth Nicholson ended up doing the study and published it, and sure enough, there was about a 60% incidence of mycoplasma. Since then, a number of other people have done studies, and they've seen anywhere between 60 and 80% uh, infectious rate in children with autism with these various types of substances, the brucelliosis, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the point that I'm making when I bring this up is that we have to understand that when we introduce a foreign substance such as a vaccine, which has DNA adducts from other species that has preservatives that are in, that are actually uh, toxic substances such as heavy metals like mercury, for example, and fluoride and, and nickel and some of these other components. And then you have uh, various other components in vaccines that we have no idea how they impact our own immune system, but we know that they shouldn't be naturally found within our bodies. These are proteins from chickens, from dogs, monkey kidneys, etc., etc. In fact, I think you saw my son talking about a list of all these components he saw in a little uh, card that talks about all the different additives inside of vaccines, which played that at advanced medicine seminar. Right. Now, the point being, when we introduce all these things into children, at, 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 when their immune systems aren't even intact yet, what are the implications 10, 20, 30 years down the line? Well, we're seeing it now. 12, 14 years ago, I said, you wait and you're going to see a higher incidence of cancer and a higher incidence of heart disease in the younger patient population, and I'm going to directly attribute that to the vaccines. Well, we are seeing it now. Yeah, exactly, and and that was uh, prescient. I wish the warning was uh, heeded by, by so many that it didn't, and of course now we're in this disastrous situation of not one, but millions, perhaps, canaries in the coal mine now, of these kids that were hammered by uh, well, the generational decline due to increasing levels of vaccination, of course, increasing use of antibiotics, increasing use of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, additives, you name it, plus now GMOs. Everything compounds everything. So if we're going to undo this, we got to go back. That's why we talk about the three toxicities as well on the nine steps, everything we re- keep reiterating because it will never be able to say it often enough. Uh, and, you know, occasionally we'll raise our voices, we'll whisper them too. However, you've got to receive it and get the message out. It isn't for you necessarily to convince your neighbor, but it is there for you to become the living example so that when they're ready, your neighbor or your mom's friend 
They'll come to you and ask the question. You'll be ready with the answers, and that's a, a great place to be, and that's what we're helping you to do each week. So, Dr. Batar, before we wrap up today, uh, I want to give a heads-up to the places you are going to be. I do have the link to the seminar that Jim Hover's hosting in Bremen, Georgia. Liam Sheff's going to be there. You're going to be there right before I arrive, but I think it's like November 6th, 7th, and 8th in Georgia there uh, it, with uh, Jim Hover. I'm going to be there on the 8th, yes. You'll be there on the 8th. Okay, so we'll be crossing paths in Atlanta. I'll be at the uh, uh, Weston Price Foundation's 8th, 9th, and 10th in Atlanta. You're headed to Dallas right after that event, right on the 9th? Correct. And when is the big event back in Vancouver? That is scheduled for December the 14th. December 14th. So keep an eye. We'll have it linked here as soon as I have that confirmation. I know you've got it. And check it out in the links in the notes at robertscottbell.com. Also remember, these programs broadcast the easiest access at medicalrewind.com, of course, naturalnewsradio.com, GCN, all of these availabilities, including iTunes for you. Spread the word that way. Therefore, the mom's friend, Brandon, could listen to the show we just talked about, and she can learn when she's ready. So how cool is that, Dr. Batar? We're, we're done for this week. And I uh, already can't wait till next one. And, it uh, seems fast that it, we go through an hour that fast. It does. It, it's, a, it's a blitzkrieg of information in a good way because it provides healing because we're reminding you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.